am your father. This is, this is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. I, I always tell everybody, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys for continuing to be listeners, supporters of the podcast, and just taking in everything that uh, that has been going on from a content standpoint, man. As I always tell you, I'm excited about the things that we're doing and I'm excited about the the listenership and just uh, the overall reception as a whole. Now, on this episode of the Established 1984 podcast, I have someone who uh, I I think maybe a lot of people don't know that we have such a great rapport. Um, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Gene.com. He uh, is most notably known for um, being on the radio, he was on 92.7 The Beat, uh, which became 93.3 The Beat. He is now on V101.5, um, operating on their um, on the station that is pretty much kind of doing like the, the old school hip hop now. So uh, and that's out of Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, I'm excited to get a chance to talk to him because ultimately what he's going to talk about is his life experiences growing up in the 80s in the crack epidemic in the crack era. He's going to talk a little bit about what it took for him to get on radio. And I really want those of you who are interested in getting into radio and in the music industry in general, just take an opportunity to really sit down and listen to somebody and listen to how his process was. And maybe it'll give you some insight into what you need to be doing and how you need to be working and how you need to always make yourself available for an opportunity. Um, that being said, as always, don't want to hold you guys up too long. I really think that this is a great episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. Get ready to listen to my good friend, Gene.com. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You are listening to the Established 1984 podcast. And on this episode, man, I have somebody who a lot of people probably don't know that that we have a relationship. We have a friendship. Uh, we've known each other Godly, at least going on nine years now. What he probably doesn't know is that he's probably known me since I was a little boy. Because um, <laughs> he's probably known me since I was a little boy because my sister used to date uh, Big Bodie's little brother, Lil Bodie. Um, <laughs> so she's been, uh, my sister was around, out in the, and around in the industry. Her name is Carla Jacobs. So. Um, she also dated Cornell over on the north side who ran that barbershop. I have Gene.com on the line. Gene, how are you, sir? What up, what up, what up? <laughs> man, we've been trying to get this set up for a minute, man. It's been a it's been a a bit of a challenge logistically for us to kind of link up at the same time. We both have busy schedules. But how are you? Absolutely. I'm good, man. I'm glad we finally got a chance to uh to connect and I really like the movement that you created. Um I ain't going to say I knew you since you was a little boy. I mean, you were still a young man. You know, a young boy. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Still a young man. I mean, we both were. But yeah, what's good? And then, man, I just, uh, like I said, I wanted to, 
like I was telling you offline, I mean, for, for my show, I, I, I try to get influencers, people who I respect and recognize in the industry have had uh, a major impact. And at the same time, also have a story that, that people find to be valuable and can and can resonate because there's a lot of young people that tend to listen to the podcast and kind of want some insight because that's kind of what my what my podcast has mostly been about is just kind of providing some insight from different perspectives of the industry. Um, so I just want to chat with you a little bit now. I know you're a Jacksonville native. Can you talk a little bit about kind of growing up in Jacksonville back in the day and, and how it's different from then to now? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, well, I came up in the, the crack era, um, which is the, the, the 80s. I'm a 70s baby, but, you know, by the time 85 hit, I was 10 years old. So okay. I got a chance to see a whole lot as it related to, um, to the, the more urban areas of town. I grew up off of Moncrief, okay. uh, Royal Court, 26 in Moncrief, Simon Johnson Park. Uh, for those that are in the Jacksonville area and you know that area, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And back then, I think it was a lot of things that um, emerged uh, just from a culture standpoint. I mean, hip-hop had just gotten, you know, kind of sprouted. Right. So, you know, we were into the music and then, you know, breaking and, you know, break dancing and, you know, I remember Michael Jackson packing out the Gator Bowl for three nights. Oh, really? They, mean, Michael Jackson came to Jacksonville? Oh, yeah, Michael Jackson was here. Oh, he man, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, 1985. So, you know, I'm 10 years old um, down at the Gator Bowl checking out the King of Pop. Wow, and that's crazy. You know, from from an entertainment standpoint, you know, you, you can't see Mike and not want to be a part of the business because, you know, he was, like, bigger than life at the time. Right. You know? So, you know, growing up here, um, you know, going through several mayors, going through different, you know, economical issues and things that, that, that we've had, you've seen a whole lot, you know, and we look at the crime now and how... You know these young these young people are not really taking life seriously. But at the end of the day, when I look back in that era of time, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just as rough, if not rougher. Right, because you grew up. It, Henry Mann is around at that point. Ahead, he already gone to prison. At Absolutely. That point. Okay. Absolutely. No, Henry, Henry Mann is in that dispensation of times that I'm speaking of too. Okay. And you know he he set the bar. Right. You know, for being a successful dealer right uh, along with many others in which you know I'm not condoning or, or, or glorifying the lifestyle but at the same time I'm not knocking the hustle either I mean I had a father that you know did what he needed to do right right in that same life so you know it is what it is right because a lot of people don't I think a lot of people don't recognize kind of uh the the urban culture that that takes place in the 70s and the 80s there's a transition from like street gangs like the boomerang gangs and stuff like that esco bolden guys that my dad knew because you know my dad is from logic but um okay so Uh, yeah so guys like that moving from those guys to the henry mans where they're bobbing and weaving through the through the city with those suzuki trucks and all that kind of stuff like that um to 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 kind of what think what was going on in Jacksonville because it seems to be lost on a lot of people. They just I don't know. I guess they thought that it was just some ha- happy go lucky place in Jacksonville in the eighties and early nineties. Oh no 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 no! Um, you know there's a um, a tall tale. That's a true story though. That you know Miami. The the reason why you know Miami shows so much resentment 
back in the 80s to Jacksonville was because they didn't really think no other city in Florida was doing it like that. Right. Until they came up here and got a whiff of it. Right. So from that, it's been a long-standing, it's a mutual respect. Right. It's definitely a mutual respect. Like, I hear it when, when cats go to prison, it's like Miami hang with Miami, Duval hang with Duval. And, you know, if it's time to mix it up, you decide what line you're going to stand on. And, and that's it. Like, a lot of people really didn't give Duval the, 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 for lack of words, the respect back then. Right. But then when they really got a taste of it, I remember um, I, I moved to Orlando um, when I was a you know early childhood, like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I moved to Orlando because my stepfather was in the Navy. Right. And when I got there, you know, I was a new kid. I was a new face. So they was like, well, hey, where you from? Yeah. I told him I was from Jack. I told him I was from Jacksonville. Now, keep in mind, in Orlando, they got crime too. Yeah, yeah. Like it's people, not all Disney World. Shot. Yeah, yeah, it's not all Disney World. People getting shot. You got areas of town they was calling Beirut. Um, areas of town like that Mercy Drive, um, that uh, Richmond Heights, which was known as Chill Town back in the day. I don't think they call it that no more. But those were some areas of town that was a reflection of what I saw here in my neighborhood. And so people were getting killed and shot on a daily basis. And when I told them I was from Jacksonville, what was funny, they looked at me and said, oh man, it's rough up there. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? Your man just got shot yesterday. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and relating that to now, when I look at these youngsters and, and, and how they're not attached to um, people like ourselves, you know, that would be kind of OGs in it to filter it in. And they don't know. Like, if someone could really give them the game and show them what to do as someone showed us what to do, right. I think we could bridge some gaps. But the, the one thing I can say about the 80s, like, if you was a drug dealer, drug dealers didn't really associate with kids. They weren't really trying to put kids on back then. And right. I heard number one living right across the street from me. And, you know, he taught me like about staying in school he was like listen i don't want to ever see you at my house you're not even allowed to stay in my yard you know he used to give me a couple of bucks you know make sure that i was still going to church and and all of that good stuff even though he was living he was living he was a part of the underworld right but he just saw something he just saw something in me that he didn't want me to be contaminated and i don't see that this this day and time i don't think it's no cold i think it's just Hey, you want to do this? Go do it. Right. I mean, it, it's sort of all all over the place now. And like I like I was kind of mentioning before, I think that that's a byproduct of kind of our city evolving. So many people coming in from a multitude of places that has kind of changed our culture to a certain degree. I mean, you know, right. we've always had crime, as you've expressed with the with what was going on in the eighties. But there were like these street gangs, and they were familiar with the neighborhood, and they were familiar with the people in the neighborhood. So they sort of right. created an environment where. Okay, we're going to handle our business, but we're going to handle our business, you know, at periods of time where kids aren't walking the street and stuff like that. But with the, the kind of introduction of, of bringing in organizations like uh, the Mexican Mafia, you've got Bloods, you've got Crips, that kind of coming in, it just it just has changed the culture of, I guess, the criminal underbelly that I think a lot of people aren't aren't aware of and they don't recognize the fact that. You know, there's there's always been this crime because when I when I say names like Esco Bolden, that rings true for guys who grew up in the '60s. They know who Esco Bolden is. When you talk about Henry Mann, you grew up in the late '70s, early '80s. You know who those guys are, but you also know that those guys kind of respected the community and were were real 
was were respectable about about being mindful of who they influenced and 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 moving guys off to college and stuff like that. Because Esco grew up with my dad, but my you know they never let my dad be around any of that. They was like ah nah Jake now nah, he. He ain't with that mess, man. If you're going to do something, right, you going to do right. something you ain't got no business doing, don't do it around Jake because, man, Jake finna go to school, right. going to college, all this kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's just it's just a different environment now. So, uh, now, having having talked about all of that, you kind of grew up as a as a young adult through the 90s. You uh, attended William M. Reigns, correct? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, is it, so, is it Reigns over Rebot or is it Rebot over Reigns? <laughs> oh, it's, 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 even though no one's probably listening to this interview, going to be like, well, you know, we didn't beat y'all two years straight. And yeah, we'll take that. I'll, I'll take the two years straight. It doesn't surpass the six years in a row that we beat them. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't surpass any of that. When you look at that classic as a whole, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time to it. But they got to beat us like maybe 10 more times before they could even stand up and say, hey, <laughs> it's been an even it's been a it's been an even you know course of action as it relates to who who's who's won the most games. Like they literally got to beat us like ten more times. Right. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. But I will say this: I got so much love for the Reebok Trojans because without them, there's no Northwest Classic. Right. At all, and they put out some very uh, dynamic young people uh, who have gone on to shape the cultures of America. And right. I say that, you know, very proudly, just as I'll stand in the gap and say my alma mater has done the same thing. Right. Um, they do. So, you know, if you're listening out there and you're a troll, I ain't got nothing but love for you. Right. Fair but enough. There's a Northwest Classic and you know we don't speak. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm a I'm a First Coast High School alumni, so so I ain't got a dog in the fight. Y'all, y'all came along. Y'all came along a little later on. I yeah. think the first class was like ninety. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about about the music scene in the nineties and and what it was like back then? Um, back then I think you had a different lineage. Of, especially in, in, in hip hop, because if you look at like I grew up on the Run DMCs, um, the Eric B and Rakim's, you know, people you think about Eric B and Rakim, but that was like '87 when they when they came out, you know, Salt and Pepper, right. Kid and Play, all of them was at its heightened at that time. Then right. it was kind of like the the changing of the gods came in when you got like Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane. Um, uh, you had, you know, a tribe called Quest and that whole movement that they had with the Daylight Souls and what have you. And then you just had cats coming from everywhere, but it was still the origin of up north. Right. And then you had UGK to come in the south, but things didn't really explode to them two cats from Atlanta. <laughs> the south to another, to another level. So when that transformation happened, I must say that I wasn't a huge fan of Southern hip-hop at the time. Really? I was not. I, even though I'm born and raised, bred and fed right here. Yeah, the I, 95 South, 69 Boys, all that, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know what? The, the funny thing is, with the bass music, the, it, they had their own lane. Right. So it was like, by default, you were going to be a fan of theirs. But, you know... A lot of us went to school together. Right. So, 
you know, you were going to be a fault. Uh, you were going to be a fan of them by default because you were happy to see them get on and to see them make it. Right. But when it came to like my choice, my preference of music to listen to, I always felt like, and this has been a strong misconception. I'm not the only person that I'm sure has felt this, but I always felt like I gained more from listening to up north hip hop. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, intellectually wise, they just spoke a little different to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I'll never forget, Notorious B.I.G. came. Yeah, I, I remember hearing stories about that. Yeah, yeah he, came to, he came to Metro Park, and God bless the dead, a partner of mine named Dwayne Burroughs. He had an end with the, the guy who was weighing. So we were in the green room, and Big was talking, and he was saying, because at the time, just at the time, was Snoop. And on the West Coast, they was killing it. Right. Like, hip-hop was West Coast. They was killing it. And Biggie looked at us, and he said, listen, I appreciate y'all's support, and this, that, and the third. He said, we're getting ready to bring New York back. I got a cat coming right up behind me. Be on the lookout for Sean Carter, Jay-Z. Okay. So, the only Jay-Z I remember was the Hawaiian Sophie Jay-Z. So, I was like, well, he only had, like, two lines in that song. Right. So, he raps. He's like, he's, he's cold-blooded. So when Reasonable Doubts came out, I went to um, Big Al's. Mm-hmm. Big Al's was a record store in yeah. Gateway at the time. Right. Well, the Gateway, was, the Gateway was popping. People don't remember that. <laughs> right. And it was, I mean, you know, it was, at the time, we didn't really see what was actually happening um, with Gateway. It was kind of... Because that was like 95, 96. So it was kind of tearing down. But the album, the, the record store was still available. Right. So I went in, because it wasn't far from the crib, grabbed the um, Jay-Z Reasonable Doubts tape. And I remember bringing it back. I was listening to it. And I was, you know, running up and down the neighborhood with it. Like, yo, y'all need to go and get this. This is the, this the, new, this the new guy. This is going to be the one. Right. And he was like, man... If you don't get that, you know, that New York stuff up out of here, we don't understand that. You know, we listening to UG, they was listening to UGK, they was listening to T-Lo, they was listening to a whole lot of Southern things that were coming out, mm-hmm. you know, being sprouted from the South, right. too. And, you know, sh- shout out to uh, Big Rankins and that Cool Runners movement, because they fed us a lot of music in the 90s, probably exposed us to a whole lot of stuff that we might not have gotten right offhand. Right. Because, you know, at the time, Jacksonville was pretty slow with gaining some of the music because the radio station, you know, it's, progr- it's, it's programmed to, you know, based upon research and what records work in certain regions and what don't, and this, that, and the third. It's like the science and the, 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 the arts that they call it. Right. So the radio station just wasn't flooding, you know, then with new music like that. But they couldn't understand why I was so attached to that music, but it was because it just it just resonated with me and the way that I thought. I thought it was fly. So, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, boot camp click fan, uh, you know, from Smith and Wesson, Buckshot, right. to, um, you know, that, you know, then the leaders of the new school showed up with some stuff. Now, it was, I was just all over the place. Right. Okay. And they used to think I was, I was green, you know, you was green in the neighborhood. <laughs> If that's what you like, right? But that was just what I—that's just what I like. Right. Now when I, I look, now when I look back at it, I 
appreciate it so much because when I look at what the product is now, I don't understand it. And I remember listening to, uh, now I'm a huge Outkast fan. Right. Period, point blank. No, I mean, who, who is it? Yeah. Yeah, who is it? But I remember uh, when Fife died and I was watching Andre 3000 speak at like his memorial. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how when he talked to Q-Tip, and Q-Tip said when they first came out, he realized that the music was changing. Right. And he said, coincidentally, that's how I feel now. When I look at Young Thug, when I look at Wayne, when I look at these people that are coming up, mm-hmm. they're like, man, I can't keep up with that. Right. And, you know, it's always a change in our gods, but the beautiful part of this culture and this music that we love so much is, you think about when you were coming up and the music you listened to, right. that you like to listen to, your parents couldn't relate to it. Right. My mama couldn't relate to rap. My daddy can't stand it. Mm-hmm. It does not, you know, if it ain't the Isley Brothers, if it ain't, uh, you know, Bobby Womack, if it's not the Shy Lights, if it ain't the Stylistics. The things, know, the, the things that the things that shape their life experiences. They because music is very much so, so exactly. sort of this sort of this background that kind of shapes mem- memories in your life. Like you know where you were when you heard that song. You you fell in love with with your girlfriend. Or, or, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, stuff like that. Those 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 songs kind of shape your life experiences. I got you. Exactly, and so that's how we are now. And you know, I have a son. You know, he's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. The music he listens to. It's not necessarily the favorable music that I listen to. I can catch some of it. Right. You know, but I can't, I can't do that. You know, I can't, I can't get into it. Right. You're not you know, a 21 I'm, Savage guy. I got you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. And then, you know, I have a 14 year old. Mm-hmm. She's into all that stuff. I can't get into that. Right. I don't know where. I can't keep up. Right. I, can, I cannot keep up. And the music that I listen to is lame. It's like, oh, that's old music. But I get it now. Mm-hmm. Because when I was 14, I used to tell my mama the same thing. Right. Oh, that music's too old. I can't get it out. My, my dad used to tear the tender grass me to death. Like, <laughs> I used to be like, man, if I hear hold you in your arms one more time, now I'm going to throw up. Man, listen. Uh, my mother, my mother did not let me listen to hip hop at all in her house growing up. We had we had the uh, the records with everything Michael Jackson. We we had the Michael Jackson, the Jackson Five album tor- with torture on it. We had all of that. <laughs> I mean, like they, that literally was what we were allowed to listen to. So I grew up listening to to a bunch of records. You know, the Isley Blur Brothers. You know, mostly Michael Jackson, mostly because that was the that was the closest thing to like up tempo. Anything that sort of felt like hip-hop, what I would hear on the radio when I was at my friend's house or when I was at my grandma's house and I could kind of like hang out with my boys and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I totally can relate to that. So, right. what I kind of want to talk right. to you about is is initially, you know, obviously, what was your initial process in breaking into radio? Because I think that that's what a lot of people, you know, know you for. So, can you talk a little bit about what initially brought you to radio and how you were able to break through and get yourself on air? Absolutely. Um, I was hustling, uh, jobs that is, and I was, uh, at the time my son was young, and so, you know, you working 
different little jobs here and there. When I graduated from high school, I was still employed at um, Winn-Dixie. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was also um, working at um, working in the mall. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I started working at Airborne Express. Okay. And Airborne Express, you know, is like the smaller version of a FedEx or UPS. So, you know, you just imagine like, you know, a group of like maybe 60, 70 drivers in a hub every day um, doing moving freight, you know, going from place to place, you know, delivering. Right. And um, my best friend was getting ready to leave um, airport. I got him on, but he, he found him another job. He was getting ready to leave. And the route that he did at the time radio station was on that route and at the time it was located off of Baltimore Circle here off of uh, Dunn Avenue in Jacksonville. Yep, I remember that. And when I started delivering there, I got intrigued by it. Not because I was like, oh yeah, you know, I can get on the radio and, and you know, everybody's gonna know me. It mm-hmm. wasn't never like that. I was never driven by that alone. What I was driven by was, I wonder how much money they make. Because anything that can help me get ahead and take care of my kid, I'm like, I'm with it. Right. So, um, one day, while I was on the route, um, I bumped into uh, Chill Will. Um, oh, Chill Will. Okay. Yep, bumped into him, and I had heard the voice. And in hearing the voice, I recognized that, oh, you the guy that's on the flavor in the morning show. So right there in that moment in the lobby, I pitched him an idea. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, you know what? I drive for Airborne Express. You guys don't really have a correspondent to tell you about light traffic or what's going on and things like that. So why don't you just let me be your man on the street? He's right. like, cool. What time do you deliver here normally? I said, I'm normally about 9, between 9.20 and 9.30. He says that on a regular basis. I'm like, yeah, y'all generally have a package every day. Right. Coming, so I'm going to come. So he's like, all right, cool. When you come in, We'll go to break, and we'll put you on the air. Now, at that time, I'm not thinking anything outside of what I'm going to do. Like, you couldn't have told me, you know, 20 years later, uh, 21 years later, I'll be doing this. Like, I really just wanted to be the correspondent, you know, thinking small. But that's what I did. And then it stuck. Mm. And then from that... I became a placement in the morning show, and then from there, they hired me in promotions. Okay. And which you've done that before. And yep. then from promotions, from promotions, I then just scored the air shift, and the rest is history. Okay. Wow. It's, it's amazing how, how just about everybody, and I try to, this is a point I think is important to kind of address with a lot of young people who may be listening, um, who don't recognize, they, they think that the jump to straight on air is is kind of instantaneous. The one thing that they have to understand is, is your path may be unique. Your path to radio may be through sales. Your path to radio may be through, you know, the, the promotions department. So you can never, don't ever turn down an opportunity because you have no idea where it's going to lead you to. And that, but I, I guess we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more later. But, you know, even even taking on from a promotion standpoint, being a promotions director for a station that 
isn't necessarily a part of the demographic that you want to necessarily work in. You may want to be on 93.3, but you may have to go to the country station and work in promotions and, and, and be mindful of how all of those things kind of tie in together and the experiences can be very similar and learn something and grow from that experience that can make you better for when that opportunity to be on that urban station might come. So just something for, for some of the young people to kind of think about. Now, I grew up, uh, I grew up with your voice kind of, kind of in my ear, you know, as a young person listening to then 92.7, the beat and, and, and you with people like my mentor and a lot of people who know me personally know that this person is you know, my first mentor, the person who literally put me on, sent me to Tallahassee in 2004 and connected me with uh, connected me with Blazing 102.3, Roden Baker. Does that name sound familiar? Wait, say it again. Roden Baker, a.k.a. Rody Roden. Yes. <laughs> Roden Roden, that's me. He was, he was there during, the, during my beginning. Right. So, uh, you know, I looked up to Roden. Yep. Yeah, I, I, so... Rody, you and Rody were kind of the voices that I kind of grew up with. What took place ultimately over that period of time as you were doing your thing um, on air? And then one day I just noticed that you were kind of gone. I don't exactly remember when that transition took place, but can you talk about a little bit what your experience was like on air over that period of time? Um, some of the positives that you gained from that. And then ultimately what happened to take you off of the radio? All right. So here's the score. Here's the story. Um, I was part-time and I had gotten like to be the person that, okay, so when a full-time person goes on vacation, you mm-hmm. fill in for them. Right. I still have my weekend slot. Um, but like I said, when a, when a full-time person goes on vacation, you fill in for them. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But knowing when you have the ability to be bigger and you know that you can be bigger, mm-hmm. but you feel like you're being stun it in your growth right well if because in the industry in this industry people who are great at what they do they're in it until death do them part right and so you have to wait like your turn until someone retires or you know they just go on to something different you have to wait and at that time it was like you know I love this industry but I'm not getting all that I could get out of it. And then I've had opportunities to go to other markets, mm-hmm. but because, you know, I had a son at the time, I was not strong enough to leave him. I didn't want to be a postcard father. Right. So that's why I never left. So I stayed here and I made the best, you know, with what I had to deal with, with the circumstances. If I didn't have any kids, of course, I would have voted out of here, would have been gone. Right. No problem. You know, I don't know if we ever would have crossed paths or we'd have met. Probably so, because I just think that, you know, that's the way God does. He puts good people in your path. So we probably would have still met, Brandon. I'm just saluting you right, right. now. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to then experience, I, I didn't want to leave the industry, but I wanted to go and continue to make more money and then find out what the other side of the game actually does. Right. So that kind of taught me into being an account executive. Okay. So. And that taught me so much because that actually gave me the game that I'm using right now that has self-propelled me into a brand of independence. Because ultimately what happened, I became an account executive. And, you know, with that, what you do is you help, 
you know, businesses, you give them marketing ideas, and you tie it all in so that it can sound effective. You put an effective campaign together right. for a client so that they can have success by using your station. Mm -hmm. And I learned all of the tools and the training, but I was like, you know, the lightning bolt hit me and was like, you know what, you should do something for yourself. So I had the idea, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create a fragrance. And that is what I did. I created a fragrance. Um, it was it's called Dottie. And uh, it's a women's fragrance, a perfume, and they loved it. Right. And, you know, it's, it's still available. But what happened was, during that process, because the news took off with it, and the newspaper did as well, Clear Channel at the time, and the powers that be looked at it as a conflict of interest. So... They asked me to resign, in which, you know, I wasn't going to do that because I didn't really feel like it was a conflict of interest. Right. So they, they fired me. Oh, wow. And, yeah, they fired me. So that was back in 2010. Okay. So um, simultaneously with what I was doing, I didn't realize that I was shaping my brand to be what it is now by going through the hardships. Like, you know, it was it was tough. But I never felt like, oh, I'm going to give up. I didn't feel like, oh, you know what, this is not for me, and I'll just go take a nine to five. I never, not once, felt like that. Right. I kept pushing. I started hosting different things around town, and it just shaped up to that was another notch in the belt. Right. Four, four years later, I was asked to come back to get on air. At the time, it was today's R&B and Back in the Day Jams. That was the format. I, I didn't even see this new format coming that we've been, you know, existing in for um, a year now, a year and a half. I never saw it coming, and it flipped, and it just came right in my lane. So we're the throwback hip-hop and R&B okay. uh, formula, and they love it. Right. Because, I mean, eventually that, that, that format had to kind of come to pass eventually, mainly because... I mean, as as the industry changes and as our music continues to grow and mature, it's evolving to a place kind of like what we were talking about before, where there's just there's right. kind of unrelatable hip hop music now. Oh, I, I can't relate to that old school hip hop. Well, that has to go someplace because it can't just kind of die in this kind of this darkness and this ethos, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Right. So so there, there had to be right. a format created for that. So I, I didn't know that that was going that was going on now. So that's what V101 is now. That's exactly what we are now. Okay. All you're right. Gonna hear, you're gonna hear the jams from the nineties. Um, we don't go we don't go too far back. We'll go like late eighties up to about two thousand five, six, or what have you. Okay. All right. Fair okay. enough. Now, I, I do have to ask these some of these questions because obviously I have some industry people who are kind of on the podcast, and I get a lot of because of I guess the kind of the role that I played, having managed artists, managed DJs, worked on the promotion side and radio, worked on the promotion side from a club standpoint, having worked with Plush Entertainment Complex and all of the stuff that I've done. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people ask a lot of different questions. Now, you've been with uh, iHeartMedia Clear Channel for a number of years. And in that time, there has been growth. But at the same time, behind the boards, there hasn't been much change. Whether that's on 93.3 or, or V101.5, voices like Eazy-E, T-Roy, and others have remained staples in the market. Do you feel like those voices still represent the Jacksonville of today? Or would the market be well more well-served with some new, fresh personalities? 
um, I definitely feel that new, fresh personalities are needed. And, and the reason why is because how are you going to evolve? When I look at when I look at the radio station, I look at it as a team. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a football team or a basketball team. I'm a Boston Celtics fan. Right. But ain't no way Kevin McHale, Bird, D. Brown, any of those, you know, vanguards of that team can come out there and compete with a LeBron James now. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, unfortunately, we're in an industry that's that's numbers driven. So if the numbers show a reflection of success, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Right. What that does is ultimately, when a new sheriff or another sheriff comes to town and they have young legs, they're going to beat you. Right. They're going to beat you. Their ideas are going to be fresher. Mm-hmm. The way they execute on air is going to be fresher. Right. The language is going to be fresher. Everything. I mean, it's just like, you, you got to have it. I remember when, you know, you, you know, when you're in the eighth grade, you're the big dog on campus at a, at a middle school. Right. But then when you go to ninth grade, you're the small person. Well, those seniors, they need their time. To, they, they got their time to shine. But guess what? They can't shine in four years because that's your seat. Right. So I think it's been the gift and the curse. I think because we've won and have been winning for years, that's the complacency. Right. That that we fall in. Right. You so know, it's like, well, for for a while, I mean, you was you were the only game in town. Right. You that know, new station, what is it? Is it Power One Hundred Six? Is that what it is? Is that new station the, the the opposing station is what Power One Hundred Six? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. But you know, although they have they have fresh voices and fresh talent, they don't necessarily have the reach. Right. So, you know, we still remain uh, the dominative in the market because of that. Right. You know, and that's not to take anything away from the talent that we have. I think that everybody is great at what they do. I'm just asking the question. It's always room for new for newness. Right. Always. And I think that I think that the, you know, unfortunately in my situation it you know, I, I interned there in two thousand and eight and I think I just kinda came in a time where they really weren't looking to looking to, to do anything like that. And I mean, I can't knock anybody. Shout out to Easy and shout out to T-Roy. T-Roy and I started a um, a local uh, a local night uh, at uh, the University of North Florida that ended up being very successful. So, so shout out to him. I mean, a lot of people, you know, don't always necessarily have the greatest experience with T-Roy because he has a very unique personality. Sometimes he can rub people the wrong way. But I, I can't speak anything but positively about him about, you know, the the time that we got to work together. And he put me on air, you know. He put me and three other young ladies on the air. You know, we were on weekly. He called us the cool kids and stuff like that. So 
we got we got an opportunity to be on air and kind of experience that and i i got to be on air with with doom and with with easy because you know i i didn't like to go home <laughs> i just went i posted at the radio station to go to sleep before i had to be to the club at night you know stuff like that so but right. i mean there, there's 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 positivity there as far as those guys as influencers but at the same time I think what a lot of people don't understand is is to your point that that it is kind of ratings driven and sometimes it takes a minute for um, a new fresh personality to kind of drive their way into the market and really create an impact and in doing so you you still got this this guy this familiar voice out there that is just you know still doing numbers while you're trying to kind of build your market and and establish your place in the marketplace and sometimes it doesn't necessarily maybe reflect you know how the the underbelly of the community is really feeling about you but but yeah i i could totally feel that so do you feel like there are enough young black faces working in non-college intern roles in the company and if not do you think uh there should be more uh, <laughs> yeah um i do see a lot of young black faces working and to be honest with you because of how technology is, is so advanced, mm-hmm. you could literally be an intern creating your own, building your own resume on, on site. Right. Like, you, you, you really could. Um, do I think that it should be more? I mean, I believe in equality, no matter what color, whoever can do the job. Right. Um, most individuals who are interested in getting in radio they literally want to be on the radio. Right. That's what fascinates them. That's that's what excitement, that, that excites them. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about turning the mic on and talking. Right. 100%. It's, mechan- it's, it's mechanics to it. Right. It's a flow. And believe, believe it or not, when you cut that microphone on, it'll, it'll grow you up. <laughs> oh, I know. You cut that microphone on, it'll grow up. Okay, so you want to do this? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Cut it on. Let me see you walk with it. All that dead air. <laughs> exactly. You, you you suddenly realize you don't have that much to say. Right. When you know that there's thousands of people that are listening to you. Right. And you worry, you start thinking about what people are going to, to say about the things that you say. You, you, you have to be... First of all, you, you got to be wired a certain way to kind of be on air. I mean, there are a lot of people who who have great voices for radio and and have the sort of sort of voice that you feel like, oh, that person sounds like they'd be good on radio. But they're a little bit afraid of what it's going to be like when they put a, a thought or a concept out there on, on a live mic, on a hot mic. And then they've got to be accountable for what they said to thousands of other people just, uh, you know, a few hours later when they get off the radio and they go to a restaurant or they go to the mall and people see you out and they hear that voice and they go, oh, well, what was that that you said about so-and-so and such-and-such? And, such? you know, so, and you, you have to be comfortable in your own skin with giving your opinions and living and dying by them. Right. So. Right. You know, it, it, it'll make you or it will break you. Right. And you have to decide, you know, which which line you, you're gonna stand on when there's so you know, different so many social issues that are happening when you talk about even just, you know, with the past election and you know, who's our president elect, you know, there's a whole lot to be said right now. Right. And, you know, with with radio, you know, we were taught a long time ago, 
views on the air because, you know, sometimes that could, you know, incite different things. And you don't want to be responsible for, you know, people getting hurt. Right. But then there's some things that you just have to stand on. You just have to stand up for and you have to say it. Right. You just have, you just have to. And you have to say, hey, this is not, you know, the views. This is not the views of the company. This is me saying and put this disclaimer out here. This is how I personally feel. And you don't have to feel this way, but I need to get this off my chest. Right. That's some of the best radio, too. It is. It is. <laughs> now, now from a from a local artist perspective, I've, I've got to go here because I do have you know shout out to Swords, shout out to to shout out you know uh, mm-hmm. you got you got people like uh like Belize Traffic, you know a lot of guys that I'm friends with and I've worked with in the in the industry. Uh, from a local artist perspective, there's always been pushback uh, from that community that the station does not support their own, like the Jacksonville artists. Uh, do you think that's right. true or false, and why or why not? And if you don't want to say G Wiz's name, <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> um, well, you know, at, at, the, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, Right. So 
now you even have that where you can develop a following which brings you numbers right which brings you a, a which brings you a uh, conversation or some ammunition to go with when you step to a program director or a record rep who can go in and represent you right when you do those things then that's when you can actually have a conversation and then here's another thing too by this market being the way that it is like a follow me market because we're not dictators right we're dictated too but does it have to be that way though Brandon it shouldn't be that way however we're programmed to be that way and the reason why we're programmed to be that way look at everything that filters in here outside of radio for a long time, for years, BET told us how to dress. Mm-hmm. It told us what was hot. MTV did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have... There isn't many um, frontier tastemakers that create things outside of things that have already been done. Right. It's like whoever's hot, and I'm not speaking for all artists um, at all. I think everybody has somewhat of a unique style, but the majority, okay, future is hot, so my next record has to sound like that, because that's what is being played right now, that's what people are gravitating to. And I, and I feel so you, I, I feel you on that point, but I just kind of want to, I kind of want to interject, because there, there's something that I'm thinking about when, when you kind of bring up a lot of those points, which all of that stuff is valid, so can you kind of explain to me how if all of those things are true, you have an artist like, for example, I'm going to use I'm going to use two as an example. Young Cash and Young Trap, who have established uh, legitimate followings. Fair to say that they're successful right. artists in their own right. Um, right. But they can't seem to, through whatever reason, whether that's G-Wiz, whether that's Easy, whether that's T-Roy, whatever it might be. They're still not getting the BDS spins that they, that they should based on how they're viewed outside of the market. They get spins outside of the market. Their influence out influence outside of the market. In the market, they do numbers when they perform. So how is right. it that those people are able to be successful in that regard, but can't get a spin unless Doom does it during his mix show? Like you see what I'm saying? Like like I'm not saying what you're saying isn't valid and isn't true, but but there seems to be a disconnect even after some of the local artists accomplish those things. That's leading to you know, things still be in the same way. I mean, we had, I mean, you know, say no more with the bread boys, that record, that record right. rang off. Why didn't it, why didn't it get legs? Why wasn't there this, this full on support from then clear channel for things like that? You know, we don't even have to necessarily go to the bread boys. Cause I mean, I feel like that record, that record ran its course, but, but for somebody like a young trap and for a young cash, why is it that, they're able to create quality music. They have quality fan bases. They have great social media followings. But for whatever reason, they can't seem to get in programming on on air. I mean, I know that, 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 that that's not totally your, you know, that's not your thing. Some of that probably needs a conversation that I probably would want to have with G-Wiz. But just from your perspective, why do you think that that is? Um, you know what? Um, I don't know. Okay. Fair because enough. I don't know, I don't, I don't know the, the background. Everything that you said, you know, those points were absolutely correct. When I think about cash, and I think about trap, and I think about how they turned so much soil outside of here mm-hmm. to become. 
established brands. They've uh, gotten the connections. They've even, you know, been on majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is not already and still are currently on majors. I don't know why that is. And, and maybe that's a conversation that, you know, we need to have as far, as far as a forum, you know, perspective that we can ask. You right. know, uh, G, G Wiz or any other program director that has the, um, the the power to execute, you know, to give them the BDS fans that they that they need. Because I know that most most labels, you know, they're like, well, hey, you know, that's great that you're being spent here and you're being spent there, but are you getting anything in your home? Right. Home, home city, which, you know, I always felt like that was a the same way again that we're dictated to. I, I guarantee you, if his video was in rotation, we would probably get some movement. Right. Because there wouldn't be no choice. Right. You know, when something is just that hot, you, you, you can't keep your feet off of it. You know, I know that, uh, you know, even T. Long, T. Long has had success. And, you know, I think he was on a major. Yeah, he was. I think he Interscope? I think he was on Interscope, yeah. Um, yeah, with, with uh, whatever uh, Bird, Birdman, because Birdman had him on, had him on a label for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, can you talk a little bit about, about your role in the city now? I mean, they're, they're, you're doing a variety of things, but can you talk a little bit about some of those things that you're doing, your current role in the city, and, and how's life for you now? Um, well, my current role right now is um, I'm definitely um, trying to stay with the youth as it relates to teaching them about um, creating brands uh, of their own, how to keep them as polished as they possibly can. Um, I teach them about entrepreneurship. In addition to that, um, I go into the schools and I want to, you know, I'm a, I'm a literacy advocate because believe it or not, um, a lot of our kids, they can say cuss words, but if you write a cuss word down on a piece of paper, they won't be able to read it to you. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, I really want to, you know, continue to be that guy who is, um, you know, a leader in teaching the kids how important it is to read. Um, in addition to that, uh, the events that I do, you know, I do events with Crown Capital. I also do shout out to Ivory um, events. Yeah, shout out to Ivory and the, and the team. Uh, Alumni ENT okay. um, is actually, you know, our our uh, company that we built. Okay. Uh, from ground ground up, so shout out to Jermaine, uh, Mango Sweets, and, and, and Jerry Rawls being a maestro. Okay. And, you know, everybody who continues to support Alumni ENT and Crown Capital as a whole. Uh, and then um, I got it, it, one of the lanes of hosting outside of hosting major shows and different events and things like that is also host weddings. And um, that just created a business on its own because, you know, I never thought that I would be doing that, you know, but it, it was something that came to pass. So, you know, I'm also hosting weddings as well. Um, that's it, man. Continuing, you know, to try to be uh, one of the tastemakers, one of the guys here, you know, as far as marketing, I handle a lot of that, excuse me, for different companies, you know, um, and brands that want to get in front of the audience that I have. 
definitely mm-hmm. father first. Definitely. And definitely. I, you know, nothing nothing is more rewarding to me out of everything that I just named but being a father. I'm in on a lot of negotiations and uh, I have a lot of great relationships with venues here, uh, those that I've used along the way. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Okay. Just wanting to be that name that, you know, when you when you talk about Jacksonville and when you talk about the entertainment, you know, I aspire to be one of the five names that gets called. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I think that in a lot of ways, based on uh, the amount of work that you put in and the time that you've been in the industry, I think that you are one of those names. I think that you are very much so one of those guys that that, you know, for those of us who have been in the industry, we are we already knew we were already hit, we were already hip to what Gene.com was. I mean, so it, it wasn't something that was lost on us. But I mean, I, I can honestly say that just. Because I'm kind of more of an outsider now. You know, I'm just now getting my feet back wet back in the industry and things like that. But even from an outsider perspective, I think that when I think of the major influencers in the city, you would have to say that the kind of backdoor music camp uh, with Young Trap and Pretty Ricky and Grand Prix and that group that's kind of doing things from a a youthful perspective. You've got Young Cash uh, and his movement. You've got Ivory, who is a staple in the in the local community. And just Absolutely. a huge influencer in that regard. You've got bigger rankings, and then there's Gene.com. Mm-hmm. I, I I honestly feel that way. So, I mean, Gene. I mean, I I want to I want to thank you for getting on the show, man. I mean, there's there's so much more that we could delve into, and I'm sure we'll get another opportunity to sit down and chat. Now, before I let you go, um, I always kind of close with a uh, with a couple of a couple of questions, and my first one before we go is. If you could go back in time and change any one thing about your life, uh, what would you change and why? If I could go back in time and change one thing about my life, I probably would have went on ahead and went to FAM and um, got my degree. That's the one thing that you know I regret not doing. However, um, I became a young father, which gave me responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely birthed me into the entertainment game. Um, quicker because I mean uh, God bless the dead Orion Reddick when he transferred to fam from Southern um, you know him and I linked up a few times and did some great things in Tallahassee we was just you know just throwing darts at a board we didn't really know the concepts like back then glossy flyers was like the new thing right you know, I remember the, the, the first time we even gave out a flyer and it had gloss on it. Now you give out a glossy flyer like you're a dinosaur, like big right. deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could change, if I could change one thing about about that, I, that's what I would do. Okay. Hands down. Favorite album all time and favorite DJ. If you can get one DJ for for that last great party, who would it be? So favorite album and favorite, favorite. DJ. Of course, that last question before we close, I always ask this. If all of this stuff ended today, 
How would you want your family, friends, and fans to remember you, and what would you want them to say about you? Um, I would want them to say <clears throat> that I was a giver. Um, I was definitely uh, all about advancing humanity and party away. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I enjoy good party. I enjoy throwing good parties. Man, party away. Definitely, man. Well, once again, Gene, I want to thank you for getting on the show, man. For those of you who want to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on the email at BrandonCobyJacobs at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Instagram at BrandonCobyJacobs, or you can hit me up on Snapchat at BKJEST1984. My name is Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You've been listening to Gene.com, and you've been listening to the Established 1984 podcast. Take care. And so there you have it, man. You got an opportunity to listen to me and Gene talk a little bit. We talked about a variety of topics. Um, I think what, what probably will stand out most with a lot of people is some of the things that he spoke about as it related to the current uh, market as it relates to radio. Um, I get a lot of conversations, man, from a lot of different people about um, how they view the current uh, climate as it relates to to our uh, to our radio and what it's like in the Jacksonville area. Um, T-Roy is, has been an instrumental figure. Uh, you know, Eze has been a staple in the community, but I, I've always asked this question and this is something that I've, that I've been trying to get G Wiz on the show to ask him directly. Um, I come out, I graduated from college in 2008. You have, uh, you have a bunch of other prominent, uh, you know, young people who, who came through the community early on. And but for whatever reason, there there are no there was never a next man up. You've got uh, one of the great talents that has uh, come out of uh, Jacksonville and Ashley Young. Um, I think she's down in Texas now doing her thing. So shout out to Ashley. But and you've got Tashika, uh, who uh, graduated from Bethune Cookman, who is on the opposing station. I think that's we were talking about that on the uh, we were talking about that on the podcast. But you've got Tashika, who's on the on the uh, opposing podcast. These are people who grew up in and around Power 106 is what Tashika's on. Um, these are people who grew up in and around the Jacksonville area, are very familiar with the environment, are very uh, familiar with the culture. And these are young people who speak the language of those who are are going to be a part of the listenership for stations like uh, 93.3, stations like V101.5. But for whatever reason, whether that was me, whether that was Tashika, whether that was Ashley, whether that was Shanika, whether that was any number of us who have passed through um, in one capacity or another, whether that was our interns directly with iHeartMedia or Clear Channel or just kind of around the industry in general, none of us were placed as successors uh, for your T-Roys, for your Easy's. None of us were placed as weekend people. Um, I know I can speak uh, for myself specifically. I applied uh, to be the promotions director for uh, the country station. Um, no disrespect to the young lady who ended up getting the opportunity back in 2008. Um, but being very candid, I was more qualified. There's no question in that. I don't think that there is a single person that would question whether or not I was the most qualified to be in that role. But for whatever reason, Despite the fact that I had far more experience in promotions, I had far more experience in marketing. I had a master marketing firm that was bringing anywhere from three to eight thousand dollars a week in revenue. Despite all of those things, they decided to take a young white girl over me. 
Now, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying. So I say all that to say, why isn't there a successor to T-Roy? Why isn't there a young person that works alongside a T-Roy? Why is there not a successor to Easy? Why isn't there any homegrown talent that iHeartMedia, Clear Channel, uh, 93.3, V101.5 has developed over the last 15 years? No one talks about it. No one asks those hard questions. But that's something that I think is is something that, that G-Wiz needs to answer. I mean, you know, it's not a negative necessarily. If 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 he can honestly, you know, say that there has not been a qualified candidate deserving of that or someone who hasn't worked hard enough to be in that sort of role, fine. Would I disagree? Absolutely. But if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. But those are things that need to be answered. Why is there no next man up? You look at other prominent, uh, prominent uh, markets. You look at Miami, you look at New York. I was I was talking to I was talking to someone about this earlier. Um, You talk about Hot 97. Hot 97 is a is a prominent market. But what do they do? Well, they've grown talent. I mean, on that morning show that they have, they have Ebro, they have Rosenberg, they have Laura Styles, they have Marissa Mendez. They have uh, Shawnee. Um, they have the DJ. They at any given time they they can have six mics on there, and they're developing talent. Those people aren't on the air every single day, but for whatever reason, they have created an environment that if Rosenberg has to leave, if Ebro has to leave, if Laura has to leave, which are the three primary legs, you know, there's somebody to be able to take that role. And be successful. That's familiar in the marketplace. And Jacksonville has failed to do that. Um, one thing that uh, Gene and I talked about is is kind of being a follower like market. And it seems like, and this is just my opinion, and I can only give my opinion because G Wiz has not reached out to me to to get on the podcast. Um, I think that where we have failed is is we have become complacent. Because our numbers do well, but our numbers do well because people going to listen to the radio regardless. So the numbers are always going to always going to do well, regardless of who's on there. But we have not taken chances. We have not developed talent because if T-Roy, God forbid, ain't wishing that on him. If T-Roy get hit by a bus tomorrow. Who y'all got to replace him? Exactly. Something happened to easy. What y'all going to do? Something happened to doom. Who's going to be the next big show DJ? So I, I think that it is important that you continue to develop talent in lieu of, you know, finding a diamond in the rough that maybe needs to take over a role. Or if something happens, having somebody that is familiar that where you don't see a drop in ratings at all. Power 106 is doing some amazing work over there because they have fresh voices. Voices that speak to the young people of today. And if 93.3, if iHeartMedia doesn't get on board with that in the Jacksonville market, they are going to do themselves a disservice and they are going to look up and be behind. It's just a reality. So once again, I want to thank Gene for for his willingness to be candid, um, for uh, just providing some game to a lot of people who aren't aware and anybody listening to this, please feel free to tag G Wiz. G Wiz know I want to talk to him. 
Jewish know we got a whole lot that we could talk about. I got I got twelve years worth of questions that I'm ready to fire off. But you know who knows? Maybe maybe G Wiz don't feel like I'm uh I'm important or influential enough to to have a conversation with. And that's fine. But doesn't mean I'm gonna not keep pushing for that for that opportunity to be able to sit down with you know whether that be from a positive or negative standpoint one of the most influential people in our industry in Jacksonville. So. Once again, guys, I want to thank you guys for your continued love and support. As I always tell you, if you're looking to get in contact with me, if you want to get on the show, if there's a topic that you want me to discuss, anything like that, you can hit me up on the email at BrandonCobyJacobs at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Instagram at BrandonCobyJacobs. You can hit me up on Snapchat at BKJEST1984. Shout out to all the UNF Osprey, man. February 10th through the 12th, we will be having the first ever UNF Black Alumni Weekend. Shout out to everybody on the committee. Um, you know, they've done great work. Uh, shout out to Ike, man. I appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, from Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He's done some amazing work behind the scenes helping get this thing to where it needs to be. If you're interested in registering for uh, the first ever UNF Black Alumni Weekend, you can go to unfblackalumniweekend.com. You can email them at unfblackalumniweekend at gmail.com. They have an Instagram at unfblackalumniweekend. Um, You know, you can hit them up on all those platforms, get in contact with them. And there actually is a page um, that is set up now where you can go straight from Facebook. All you got to type in is UNF Black Alumni Weekend. It'll come right up and you can click the sign up button there and you can register from there. So it is so easy, so simple. I think registration runs until February 3rd. Um, so get registered, man. Come out, support. Uh, there's a variety of events that are on the website that you can check out. If uh, if clubbing isn't your thing, shout out to Ivory Orb. We'll be doing uh, club nights with him on Friday and Saturday. If clubbing isn't your thing, there's a happy hour that you can attend. If happy hours and clubs aren't your thing, come out Saturday to the cookout, man. Uh, we're going to have a tailgate at UNF. It should be a good time celebrating homecoming and just kind of all of the uh, the minority black and brown alumni will We'll all be congregated in one place in fellowship and love. And, and I'm excited to be a part of that. And I'm looking forward to seeing all 104 of the folks who have registered thus far out there uh, doing that thing. Music will be by Backdoor Music Group. So we're, we're very excited about everything that's going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the city of Jacksonville, man. Keep your ears to the streets. Once again, my name is Brandon Kobe Jacobson. You are listening to the Seven 1984 podcast.